values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, again, appreciate you spending some time with the show. As we uh, roll into this final hour, we've been talking about the economy quite a bit lately and the efforts by the Fed to slow things down to slow inflation. And that also is going to end up costing people jobs. So we do know that jobless claims have increased, although not a whole lot yet. They are still increasing. We're going to couple that with what's happening with the GDP and see what direction we're headed. So this is Mark Remillard from ABC talking about the jobless claims. New unemployment claims rose by about 7,000 last week over the week before, according to the Labor Department, which said there were 198,000 new jobless claims for the week ending March 25th. Numbers came in slightly above analysts' expectations, but were still below the 200,000 threshold for the 10th straight week, keeping numbers at historically low levels, despite efforts by the Federal Reserve to cool the economy and the job market in its efforts to fight inflation. What we are seeing is a couple of things. We are seeing the GDP is slowed. It, it was less than the estimate came in below estimates. There has been a sharp slowdown in personal spending. We have also seen a huge increase in credit card debt, <clears throat> which that is going to lend itself to a lot of what we were seeing before. Manufacturing slows down because orders to replenish stock is, has not gone up because people are not buying things off the shelves, all this stuff that makes common sense to people. You realize that when the Fed does these things, it makes it harder for businesses to borrow money to expand. This causes the slowdown we're looking at. The bigger concern for me are more and more people falling through the cracks. Here's what I mean by that. When you are doing what you have to do to keep your head above water, it is a scary um, it, it's a scary proposition that when you are talking about the necessities that your family needs and you get to payday or a couple of days before payday and you're broke. Um, and we, I think most of us have been there. Maybe some of us are still there or are there again. It is a terrifying place to be. And now we are watching gas prices on the increase. Wages are not going up like they were before because the job demand isn't what it was before. The one offset was, well, there were two things that were offsets <clears throat> to high inflation. One was wages were still going up, although not as much as inflation. The other was the availability of jobs. So the motivated people that said, I'm going to have to get a second job, or if it was a couple that said, one of us is going to have to get a second job so that we can make ends meet, at least for the time being. When those jobs begin to dry up, you see more and more people fall through the cracks. It is not just that people have debt, because I'm not saying it's good or bad, but in the eyes of the experts, when people carry debt, sometimes it shows strength strengthen the economy, meaning this, if you believe your job is safe, if you believe that you are able to pay your bills, you are more likely to you go into some kind of debt. It's what people are spending money on. If people are buying newer vehicles, newer, newer vehicles, if you are going on vacation, if you are putting those kind of purchases on credit, whether you're going and getting an auto loan or you're using a credit card, that is seen by some as strength in the economy. You believe you are in a good place that paying something off over time with a little bit of interest is not a problem for you. That shows strength many times in the economy. But the other side of this is when people are buying the necessities, when it's groceries, when it's gas, when it's clothing for your kids for school on top of the other necessities. Necessities. Now you are drying up your resource, especially when people are only able to make the minimum payments. 
There are a lot of us that have credit cards that use them for the points and for other things. And you either, uh, unless it's a really big purchase, you just pay it off at the end of the month. I use it, pay it off. Use it, pay it off. And your credit goes up quickly when that happens. But when there are people out there saying, okay, we need, and most people keep a credit card for emergencies. How many of you are out there that have a credit card for emergencies? You pay the annual fee or whatever it is so that if something happens, if the AC goes out at the house and they tell you it's going to be $6,000 to replace it, you've got a credit card to put it on. Um, or you have a medical emergency. You have an automobile, a huge bill, a transmission goes out in your vehicle or something. Um, and that's what people use credit cards for. They are now seeing an overwhelming amount of credit card debt. And people are making minimum payments, which means for whatever you spent a hundred bucks on, by the time you're paying that off, I can't even tell you what that one hundred dollars turns into. And so people are now finding out it's going to take them a lot longer to pay it off. They don't have the credit limit that they had before, which means they are close to being tapped out on their credit availability. So if they do have that crisis or that problem, they don't have. Not only do they not have the credit card, their credit score and their debt to income ratio won't allow them to get more credit. So we are starting to see the beginnings of that crunch be more and more evident. I think it's been going on for quite a long time, but I think we're seeing more and more of the evidence of it. So for the people that have mismanaged money, and believe me, I raise both hands when that comes up. Um, I have been historically in my life not wise with money. Um, But as I've reined in my spending and started to see how my money can work for me if I do the right things with it, it makes more sense to me. And it is – there is a sense of security and power in that. But for the people that have done the right thing and they continue to do the right thing and yet they find themselves falling behind – Those are the people that I think have to be the most frustrated. If you're someone, you know, someone, let's say the way I've, you know, when I was, um, before I got married and had two girls, um, you know, I didn't, I just, I was hand to mouth. And if I had a pocket full of money, I spent a pocket full of money. Um, and then, you know, now I'm in a different place. I, I live alone again. And, um, you know, so I have a different set of circumstances than a lot of people do at this point in my life. Um, so my mistakes, I pay for my mistakes. It's just me. Um, and so if I screw something up, I have myself to blame. But the people out there that are wise that follow a financial plan, you know, Ramsey is on this station and he is an icon in the business of of personal wealth and how your money grows for you. And he gives great advice. I don't ever give financial advice. But the people that listen to Ramsey and use those principles and figure out how to create a long term wealth for their family when they get older and they find themselves doing all the right things and yet falling behind because of what's happening in the economy. When gas prices go up, you've got kids to feed. You've got rent that's extremely high, your insurance bills, everything seems to be costing more. Your water bill is getting ready to go up as you live in Phoenix. SRP is raising their rates because they have to. That's coming up in November. And on top of all of that, you're not able to stretch the dollar as much as before. It's frustrating. Are we getting a handle on that? Is this, are we seeing a slowing in the economy? And is the next uh, the next card that turns over going to be the one that says inflation is dropping? Because so far, year over year, we are still seeing extremely high inflation in spite of what we're doing. All right. So let's go uh, in a moment. We do this uh, thing we do every day at 1120 called Did You Hear This? We're going to get to it in a moment. It just catch you up on the big headlines. <laughs> Thank you.
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All the biggest news stories of the day right now. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. A Wall Street Journal reporter, Evan Gerskovich, was detained in Russia on espionage charges. Former Secretary Deputy of the Defense for the Middle East, Mick Mulroy, explains this case may be similar to Brittany Griner's. I wouldn't uh, doubt that Russia has completely fabricated these charges and they essentially wanted some high-profile person like a Wall Street Journal uh, journalist to really push their agenda trying to get back some of their operatives that are tamed overseas. How is the United States going to get Evan Gerskovich and Paul Whelan home. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to get them home, and I don't know why that any American that wasn't already in custody is, why are they even in Russia? Um, I understand somebody wanting to do their job, but it is such a dangerous place right now, but this is the diplomatic mess we've created. Um, when you have a prisoner swap and you do it the way we did for Brittany Griner, and trust me, I am very, very happy that Brittany Griner is home, but when you've set a precedent about giving up high-level targets in order to get somebody back, this is what ends up happening, is they believe now that you're a sucker, and you you're going to fall for this time and time again. I feel bad for this guy getting caught in a political mess. It is absolutely a political mess. There aren't many people in the world that believe Vladimir Putin. Maybe the Russians do, but the rest of the world understands what this is. And this is another attempt for them to strong arm the U.S. And I hope it doesn't work. A KTAR exclusive investigation revealed issues in Arizona's prison system. The director of the Arizona Department of Corrections, Rehabilitation, and Reentry, Ryan Thornell, spoke with our own Taylor Tassler about one of these chief issues. We also know that there's substance use within our facilities. Um, that's an issue in corrections that we've been battling for decades. What are the immediate actions you want to see taken? There, well, a couple of things that are unfortunate that are being taken, much like the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office, I think, to the, uh, the, uh, the Department of Corrections is also employing some scanners that will also include scanning of employees going into the prison. Unfortunately, it does come in in the mail sometimes and slips through. It is brought in by visitors. That is also part of the problem. But if employees are somehow getting these things into the facility, if they are a part of this because it's extra money or whatever the reason is behind it, it is um, it's shameful. It is also a uh, you are it is you're the worst kind of traitor against the people that are trying to work inside the facility. So those are the things I'd like to see. The scanners being employed, different tactics that are used to screen visitors when they come in, whether it's drug-sniffing dogs or scanners or otherwise, and doing everything to let inmates and employees know it's not going to be tolerated and it's going to be severely punished when we catch you. I think those two things are step one. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines. Daniel Hernandez, the Government Affairs Director at Stanford Children in Arizona, has criticized Superintendent Horn's efforts to change how English is taught to ELL students. Not only are we going to watch all of the things coming out of the Department of Education, which he heads as the state superintendent, we're going to be a watchdog and that we're going to point out when he oversteps his authority. What do you think of Superintendent Horn's vision for English language learners? I think this. I think that the superintendent has once before been the superintendent. Um, the results right now in Arizona are very poor as far as academic standards are concerned. So any change should be given an opportunity to work and this an adversarial relationship isn't always bad I think that every administration and every department of government should be watched by the citizens to make sure they're getting results if this is more about ideology than it is about results then this is going to be something that's not good but as long as somebody is saying we want results so that English language learners 
are learning English and are getting an education and a better education, and this is working, then great. If you're just going to disagree because you don't like the person, I think you're more of a problem than you are a part of the solution. So which this is remains to be seen. Phoenix Suns fans finally got to see their star forward, Kevin Durant, at the Footprint Center. Durant, three-pounder straight away. Is this finally a new era for the Suns? I think it is. It is a new era. It is bringing back visions of the Charles Barkley time with the Suns, where they were a hopeful for the finals. They eventually got there. They didn't win it. They lost to the Bulls, but they got there. I remember those Suns teams when I first came here. This is a Phoenix Suns town, and I think this is restoring and renewing that. Every time I've watched sports in the last 48 hours, when the announcement was made that KD was going to make his comeback, uh, that's all they've talked about is where can the Suns go? Everybody believes that they are capable of winning the West and people want to see results. I think it's exciting. And the one last thing I'll say about this is how much are we going to miss that voice of Al McCoy at the end of this season? A true legend in the business and uh, uh, I'm going to miss him. That is Did You Hear This for another day. We'll do it again tomorrow to close out the week. Great job as always, Julia. We appreciate it. Um, what we're going to do uh, coming up is a continued conversation about mass shootings in the U.S. Heated conversations, which I never mind as long as they're respectful. But what are the solutions and are we focusing on the right things? It's not just the gun part of it. Are we focusing on the right things to get to some kind of resolution with things that are happening? If the answer is no then we need to figure out what that is. This is such an important topic. Children deserve the best. Children deserve safety. And we've got to set our feelings aside sometimes to get to a solution. We'll talk about those solutions next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. I appreciate some time here. The ongoing conversation about what's happened in Nashville just has reignited the conversation about um, uh, about mass shootings and guns in general. But now there's a new wrinkle in this because of the identifying of this person as being transgender. Um this is not the first time something like this has happened by someone that has identified as non-binary or transgender. Um, but this is now a concern because th- that may be a part of the reason for this, which we don't know for sure yet. Um, I've talked about people that have been crime victims, especially if it's a violent crime. But when you're the victim of a crime – I don't know of anybody that cares about the perpetrator's race or gender or identity, whatever you want to call it. You're victimized, and you don't want to be victimized. You want justice for for your for for the victims. Um, but as far as this goes, I had this. I talked earlier about this, and I just want to clear the air on this. Two things: the transgender community. Um, the transgender community is saying, and I hate using that phrase because then it makes it sound like everybody that's transgender is saying this. But people that are trans are coming out and saying this is dangerous because the more you talk about this person being trans, it makes people more emboldened to be violent against trans people. And I kind of shrugged my shoulders and I said, well, if that's true, why do we go after cops when cops have done something wrong, whether it's as horrible as the death of George Floyd? Did that make cops lives more dangerous? 
If one is true, the other is true. If talking about police as an institution, when you say cops, that's everyone. If there is this systemic problem, there are people out there that believe that if you are transgender, you are mentally ill. There are people out there that believe that. And so they think that this is a part of instability and they think that this is a part of the um, mental illness that comes along with being transgender. I'm not calling it right. I'm saying there are people out there that believe it. So when something like this happens, they hold it up and they say, see, I told you. Well, what's the difference between someone that says that and someone that says it about cops in general? They're both wrong. One is okay, the other isn't. So the generalities are the problem, number one. But if this played a role in this, then it's pertinent. If this person had a grudge against that school because she attended that school as a little girl, then it is pertinent and it is a part of the story. But here we are now talking about that as opposed to the death of three nine-year-olds and three adults, one of which, at least one of which we know, was heroic in her attempt to save lives. I'm talking about the principal. And then when it comes to gun violence, um, you can use all the statistics you want, which usually in the first 24 hours after an incident like this, I don't even talk about gun control because the gun control frenzy is already so emotionally worked up. You're, you're swimming upstream anyway with your conversation with it because it's all emotional at that point. And I agree with the emotion. That's what's funny about it. The outrage. How could this keep happening? Why does this keep happening? This has to stop. I have all of those emotions when something like this happens. But the gun control crowd immediately says it's the gun. We have to limit guns. We have to control guns. We have to get rid of guns. We have to do this. We ha- And so how do you fight it? We share the same emotion. Your solutions are purely emotional. There is absolutely no way, A, that you're getting rid of all guns. I, I-, I will give you an example. Um, somebody sent to me shortly after this happened on Twitter, of course, showing that far and away – there are more shootings in the United States than any other country. Mass shootings, more shootings here than any other country on the planet, and it's not even close. I have no reason to doubt that statistic. And then I went and I looked up at crime rates around the world, violent crime rates around the world. And when it comes to homicide and rape, the U.S. is not even in the top 11 in either category worldwide per capita. So my point is, whether it's a gun, if you take that away, they're going to find another way. Evil people find a way to mete out evil. We have to address the evil. We have to address the things. And so there are separate, you know, there are a lot of different categories in this. And some of it is are these mass shooters who lose their minds and go and do horrible things. Other people are just career criminals that use weapons as a means to get what they want. And most of the time when people commit crimes, they commit crimes um, many times before they commit a homicide. And they continue through the revolving door of the justice system. The D.C. police chief is the one that most recently said, statistically speaking, that um, a, a homicide suspect is arrested 11 times on average. The average is 11 before they are accused of a homicide. That is a staggering statistic, that kind of violent crime. 
And the other part of this is the vast majority of these crimes are committed by people that are prohibited possessors. These are people that are not supposed to have firearms in the first place. The existing gun laws already say they're not allowed to have them, and yet they do. And most of the time, those people are getting guns illegally. Now, in the case of these shootings, they were legally obtained firearms. But when you see the shootings in Chicago and Washington, D.C., and Los Angeles and San Francisco, and even here in Phoenix, the last and I, and I wanted to do the math and I haven't. But the number of police officers that in going back, those I've chronicled it over and over again, go all the way back to Officer Maldivan being gunned down in the line of duty. Every single Officer that's been shot or shot at in the city of Phoenix going back to Officer Maldivan moving forward were shot or shot at by people that were prohibited possessors, convicted felons that by law were not allowed to possess firearms. So what makes you think more gun laws is going to fix that problem. The city of Phoenix worked with the ATF and other federal agencies and other local agencies, and they had a program where they were specifically going after guns that were on the street that were modified illegally that made them illegal firearms, people that were dealing illegally in firearms, and people that were possessing firearms that weren't supposed to have them. That's the impact that we should be looking for. Those are the people that are the danger. What frustrates me about about this is two levels. One is you're not going to fix it. That's the most important part of it. Coming after me and making my life harder is not going to fix this problem. But the other part of it is, why are you coming after me? What makes you think limiting my access to firearms is going to make it harder for a criminal to get them? It doesn't. So for every person, like the person that committed this crime in Nashville, who legally obtained firearms, there's the Adam Lanzas of the world. Adam Lanza is the young man that murdered his mother with her own guns and then went over to his, uh, to, um, to Sandy Hook Elementary School and gunned down a classroom full of kids. Stolen guns. It just it, it is we are looking at the firearm that's been used and blaming the firearm. I will go one step further. And my last thing I'll say about this topic today, it was the exact tape that when they say talk about I'm going to use your phrase, not mine. Assault rifles. It was assault rifles that were used to kill the suspect. Think about that for a moment. The very same weapon that you want to ban that was used by the suspect shooting at police officers was used by police officers to take out the suspect. And many of you say, well, that's why only the police should have them. Good. You live in that utopian place in your mind. It just is not realistic. Um, so what I want to do before we get out of here is shift this a little bit local. Um, we had a big change coming, or we do have a big change coming. Dr. Chad Geston, who has been the superintendent for the Phoenix Union High School District, has decided that he is moving on. We're going to talk a little bit about this and how this is going to change schools here in the Valley. It's coming up here in a few moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Just to uh, just to give you a little backup of the things I've been talking about, um, I'm looking at a bunch of statistics. The highest murder rates in the entire world per capita. We're not even in the top 10. The U.S. is not even in the top 10. Um 
We're not in the lowest. We're not the highest. When at 10 countries with the highest murder rates, El Salvador, Jamaica, Lesotho, Honduras, Belize, Venezuela, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, South Africa, St. Kitts and Nevis, and Nigeria all have the highest death rates in the world. And looking at homicide rates, uh, murder rates by country in 2023, um, looking at the uh, statistics, um, I'm looking in the list, and I don't see the U.S. anywhere on this list as far as other countries, Barbados, Papua New Guinea. Uh, um, Panama, Ethiopia, um, U.S. Virgin Islands, Cayman Islands, Russia, Bermuda, Peru, Zimbabwe, all of these other places have much higher murder rates. So when you're looking at them, uh, the U.S. looking at, at our per capita murder rates, we are much lower than the rest of the world. My point in being, my point being with all of this is that we have a crime problem like every other nation does. In our country, because guns are available, guns are used. If you took away, which you will never accomplish, if you were able to take away guns from people, everybody, you would not stop the death rate in America. It wouldn't happen. Evil people are going to commit evil acts. we got to focus on the evil and not the implements that they use. That's just my belief. Um, I want to get to this other story. Dr. Chad Geston, who is the uh, superintendent of the Phoenix Union High School District, is leaving. And he is going to another organization. He put out a statement, said, it's bittersweet. I can't think of a better way to describe my emotion. Uh, PXU is my family. I love this place. I love our people. I have a deep, lifelong relationship here. Yet after 22 years of working in the system, it is now time for me to step out of the system in order to work more effectively, aggressively, and unapologetically on the system, locally and nationally. So uh, I'm anxious to see what the changes will be at the Phoenix Union High School level. It is, a, it is disappointing to me that I was never able to get Dr. Geston on the show. I would love to have had a conversation with him about some of the things that they are doing. It is interesting, and I don't think that any, I don't think these two have anything to do with each other, but a, I think it's the Public Safety Committee at the Phoenix Union High School District made a recommendation. Now, the board does not have to take this recommendation. They're not required. But it has been suggested, recommendation from the Public Safety Committee, that the district institute or re-implement the use of SROs or school resource officers. They got rid of Phoenix police in the high schools a few years ago, a couple of years ago, saying that it was – and it was political, and they admitted it. They said it's because there are students that don't feel comfortable around the police. It was the defund the police movement that got police officers removed from the Phoenix Union High School District, and they've paid a heavy price. For it, crime on campuses is up. There's no doubt. I talk to teachers all the time. Everyone thinks that because I don't like the politics of education and I don't like the Arizona Educators United as an organization because of the way they do things, that I've got something against teachers. I love teachers. The information I get, the pictures I get, the videos I get, the tweets I get in their private messages, all of the things I get. I get from teachers that disagree with that point of view. So saying I don't like teachers is not only false, it's laughable. But teachers that teach in the Phoenix Union High School District have been telling me for the past year that on campuses, kids, the good kids, the kids that are in school to learn, are afraid to walk the hallways. They are afraid to go into the restrooms because of what's going on in there, drug dealing. We know weapons are being brought to school by some of the bad kids, and that's what's happening. Teachers are afraid. They've brought it to the attention of the district. Now, hopefully, after what's happened in Nashville, that they're going to wake up at the Phoenix Union 
Union High School District and realize that unless you have uniformed officers standing in the gap and at least having a presence there, you've got a much better chance of bad things happening. And hopefully this is a step in the right direction. But I will say very honestly, I wish Dr. Gustin well. Um, I would love to have him on the show before he leaves. I think it would be a great opportunity to talk to him about what his feelings are about the district. And hopefully we can make that happen in the days before he leaves. I believe he ends his tenure in June. So maybe we can work on that. Uh, If you're a social media user, now's the time to hit me up. I am at Broomhead, K-T-A-R on Twitter. That's my personal Twitter account. At Broomhead Show is our show account that tells you what's happening on the show. Please follow both. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Mike Broomhead, all one word, no dots, no dashes, is where you can find me on Instagram. We'll be back tomorrow morning for the final edition of the week. It happens right after 8 a.m. Have a great day until then, everyone. God bless. 